It's 10.30, means it's time to teach. And as you're gathering yourself from uh, the expression of one of the Sedaris 14 principles, which is kick, kiss cocktail conversation goodbye, it's time for me to ask you, yeah, it's time for me to ask, do you know what that means? You don't know what that means. That means you've got to come to the 14 principles class. You've got to come to it. Even if you've been here for a long time, this is actually the first time we've ever run this class by itself in the form that you'll see today. So, like, if you've been here for seven, the full seven, you should come to this class. This is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, I've been explaining it like if, if, I, had, if I just woke up in an, from an exciting dream about trivia night, this would be, we we're making this dream a reality right on the other side of this wall in the fellowship hall. This is going to be an amazing class. So, if you don't know um, much about the 14 principles, let me read them to you very fast. Should I do that, or should I make them come? Ryan says, it's not about you. Look up. Keep considering. Kiss cocktail conversations goodbye. Honesty breeds freedom. Get a new watch. Take one step beyond comfortable. Aggressive availability. Engage each one. Lead with the lament. Love works. Don't take yourself too seriously. Cultivate dual citizenship. Let's pray now. And build a bridge to pass it on. So if you don't completely understand those right now after me reading it, this class is for you. And now is your time to tell us that you'll be there so we don't order too much food. So if you're going to come to that class, just slip your hand up. We're going to count real quick. Slip your hand up. So a few more people need to slip their hand up. Football season is over, people. There's literally nothing to do <laughs> on a Sunday afternoon until the warmth comes. Okay. Okay, so we got to count there, right? Great. Now, if you change your mind because the Holy Spirit convicts you during my teaching... We're going to order a few more. Somebody needs some 14 principles in their life. And um, this class is going to be interactive. It's, uh, it's going to be a chance to consider. It's not just going to be us uh, talking to you. It's going to be us inviting you to consider. What, what, what does it mean to walk in the way of Jesus in this world? So, super fun. Uh, can't wait to, to do this. So anyhow, let's pray now. Father God, thank you for this time that you've set apart in our week to come to your word, to open it up together as a community, um, uh, to see what you have to say through it. It's amazing, God, that we have your very word available to us. It's amazing, God, that we have community to consider with. It's amazing, God, that you give us your spirit so that you might bring to life these words written 2,000 years ago, but as alive and fresh today as ever before. And so we pray, God, that you send your spirit, that you'd remove distraction, that you'd stir in our hearts and our minds so that we might leave here a little different than how we came in. It's in Jesus' name we pray, and by your spirit, amen. So, if this is your first Sunday, let me just get you very quickly up to speed. We've been in a series in 1 Corinthians. And the name of the series, or the subtitle of the series is Moving in Step with the Peculiar Wisdom of Christ. I do like that my wife had to point out that I didn't do that. Because, like, if I hadn't said anything, people might be like, Dave's got some real chops up there. Because I'm the only one that's really used that board to date. So I did not do that. So thank you to my wife for keeping me humble, reminding the church that not everyone has the same gift. 
but when we use our gifts together, amazing things happen. So thank you to Emily for that. Um, so 1 Corinthians, how do you move in step with the peculiar wisdom of Christ? And what we have in the church in Corinth, in ancient Greece, a port city, a melting pot city, people from all over the Roman Empire there, um, uh, a city of trade and commerce, of, of uh, a, a bit like a Las Vegas of sorts of the ancient world. Um, and so the church had been sort of, of moved away from the peculiar wisdom of Christ to more align with the wisdom of the world. And so Paul's writing this letter now to, as a corrective to say, listen, you have been given a message and you've been given a spirit that allows you to move out of step with the world and in step with the peculiar wisdom of Christ. And when you say yes to that gift, the gift of the spirit, you bring glory to God and it's actually for your good. And um, if you refuse or you sort of begrudgingly go, you won't experience the kind of life, the better life that God has bought for you in Jesus Christ. So he says, I want you to experience moving in step with the peculiar wisdom. One, you're made for it, and two, it's for your good. And so we've been talking about the differences between the types of wisdom. Last week, uh, we talked about how Paul said, listen, if uh, someone you're in community with, or you work with, or you're friends with, or even that you're married to, doesn't have the Spirit of God living in them, some of the things you do and say won't make any sense. They'll look at you like a deer in the headlights. They won't get it. And it's not even their fault. They literally can't understand the wisdom of Christ apart from the Spirit of Christ. So the first thing you do, rather than getting mad or frustrated or separating yourself, is you pray. So that was last week. And this week, we're going to look at a, a, a just a short text. And, and everybody was excited last week because I got through an entire chapter in one week, and we're back to just a few verses this week. That's okay. We'll dabble in the rest of chapter 3 um, a little bit this week and a little more next week. But he says something really interesting. And, it, and it's a bit of a conclusion on what we talked last week. So you can always go back and watch last week's sermon. Um, I'll, I'll, hopefully it'll make sense. But he's going to say something so interesting to the Corinthians. So let's read it. So we're in chapter 3. If you've got a Bible, open it. If you don't, there's, there's one of these in the seat back in front of you. You could grab it. And we're going to be on page 1012. So if you want to grab the Bible that's in front of you, page 1012. And last week, I'll just read the last verse. Because you've got to remember, this is, this is a letter that's meant to be uh, ingested all at one time. We sort of break it up because there's a lot to pull out of it, but it is one overarching unified message from Paul. So let me just start by reading the last verse that we looked at last week. Paul says, the spiritual person, that is the one who has the spirit of God living in them, the spiritual person can evaluate everything, and yet he himself cannot be evaluated by anyone. Why does Paul tell him that? He wants to say, if you have the Spirit, you're going to have some wisdom that's a bit peculiar. People are going to want to judge you for that. He says, don't worry. There's only one judge. It's the Father in heaven. That's Christ our Lord. So you can be judged by no one except for him. For who has known the Lord's mind that he may instruct him? 
And then he says, but we, we have the mind of Christ. And it's just such a beautiful, wow, I can't believe this. Like just the idea of that should bring us so much joy that we have the mind of Christ. So that's, that's where we left off last week. And then Paul pivots. Pivot. For my part, brothers and sisters, I was not able to speak to you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as babies in Christ. I gave you milk to drink, not solid food, since you were not ready for it. In fact, you are still not ready, because you are still worldly. For since there is envy and strife among you, are you not worldly and behaving like mere humans? For whenever someone says, I belong to Paul, another says, I belong to Apollos, are you not acting like mere humans? <laughs> okay, this is incredible. Um, again, if you haven't been here, this whole section begins with Paul saying there's rivalry and envy among you. Because there was different teachers that had come at different times to the church in Corinth. Paul planted the church. Then Apollos came along and taught. And then it seems that even Peter, one of the 12 disciples, very famous Peter, he came along and did some teaching. And so people were sort of breaking up into factions, into little cliques within the church, saying, well, you know that Paul, he's really got it. And no, Apollos, he's my guy. Uh, no, Peter. I mean, he walked with the Lord. Okay, so we talked about that several weeks ago. So he's bringing that back up now. He's saying, when you guys act like that, you're acting like mere humans. <laughs> the ultimate Christian diss. <laughs> if you don't know what diss is, look it up. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's so, and remember, Paul loves these people. Paul loves these people. He, he, he wants so much for them. And, and yet he says, you're acting like mere humans. So what's going on here? What, what can we glean from this besides just that these Corinthians were mere humans? First, I'm going to tell you about even those who have the Spirit can act as though they don't have the Spirit. Then I'm going to tell you milk is not bad. Milk is not bad. You just can't live on it forever. And then I'm going to talk about why you're not actually a mere human for those of you who are filled with the Holy Spirit. And then we're going to talk about how does growth actually work? How do you grow out of being a baby? Then I'm going to share something with you that we created many years ago that some of you may not have seen, some of you have. It's a spiritual growth planning document that we created to help you not get stuck where the Corinthians were stuck. Getting that beef from the Apostle Paul about still drinking milk. Because we don't want it. We want to grow up in maturity in Christ. That's what we should want. So, wherever you're at today, whether you're not yet, have not yet been born in the Spirit, there's something for you in this sermon. Whether you've been walking with Christ for a very long time, and He has filled you up, and you, you're eating solid food, and, and fantastic fillets, and what, whatever you do, like there's something in because it never stops. Growth in Christ never stops. He always wants us to be moving and growing into the, this thing that he's created for us to be, which is not mere human. So that's where we're going today. So let's look at this first point. If we just, if you, if you, you know, if I hadn't teed it up for you and you just were reading through the letter, 
or, or listening to the sermons, you'd be like, well, last week you made me feel really good about myself. <laughs> you know, like, I, I have the mind of Christ. This is incredible. Uh, I know things. I, I have access to this peculiar wisdom. And now you're telling me I'm a baby. Guess what? Who would have felt the same way? The Corinthians. <laughs> they, would have been, they would have been waiting. I mean, just imagine the first time that they heard this letter read to them. Oh, wow, we have the mind of Christ. And then he's like, and you're still breastfeeding. So what's going on? It's so important, and maybe you asked this question uh, last week. Well, is it either or? Do I either have the Spirit or I, I don't? Is there any in between? Because sometimes in my life I feel like I've got the Spirit, and other times in my life I don't get it. What is it? Well, here, actually, maybe this is comforting to you. Paul's just told them they have the mind of Christ, that they have this peculiar wisdom, and then he says, and yet you're acting as if you don't have the Spirit. He's not telling them that they don't. He's telling them that they do. They're just not accessing it. There's something in their life, some fear that they have, whether it's the fear of embarrassment or the feel, fear of um, feeling foolish or um, um, the fear of not having power or, or, or the fear of losing their cliques or whatever the fear is. It's keeping them from the peculiar wisdom and power of God actually moving. That's why he says, I wasn't even able to speak to you as spiritual people. Uh, I read this quote this week by A.T. Robertson, theologian scholar. He said, it is one of the tragedies of the minister's life that he has to keep on speaking to the church members as unto babes in Christ. Who actually glory in their long babyhood, whereas they ought to be teachers of the gospel instead of belonging to the cradle role. Paul's um, goal, he says, was for all the babes to become adults. A.T. Robertson. We've got a kid's ministry. Is this a place to feed adults in Christ? That's what Sundays are for. But I can just echo, it is one of the greatest tragedies of my even short time as a minister of the gospel that I have to feed babies instead of adults. Here's what I want you to know. Guess when A.T. Robertson wrote these words? 1933. When I think we would all believe the church was at a high point in this country, where biblical education was um, um, stellar, where, uh, you know, you went to church three or four times a week, okay? And yet still, he's saying, this is true. And I want to just point that out because this is a constant problem in the churches of God everywhere at all times. It was for Paul. It was for A.T. Robertson. And it is at Sedaris because it's a spiritual problem. And those don't change. That we do not allow the spirit that is living in us to have access to all parts of us. We hold it back for fear that what it might lead us into might be someplace we don't want to go. So if you ever have felt like that, that, yeah, 
I kind of don't get it. <laughs> I don't get 90% of what Dave says. You're in good company, okay? But that's not okay. You should want to understand more this peculiar wisdom of Christ. doesn't mean that you're not saved, but it just means there's more saving to be done. There is more of the flesh, of the worldly wisdom that God wants to replace with the spiritual wisdom of Christ. That makes sense? Even those of us with the Spirit can live unto the flesh. That's the story of my life, and I know that's the story of all of our lives at some point or another. Okay. So Paul goes on to say how frustrated it is that he knows they have the Spirit, but yet they're acting as if they don't have the Spirit. He says, I was unable to speak this wisdom to you in a way that you could understand. I I had to do what? He says, I had to give you milk to drink, not solid food, because you were not yet ready. Now, he's not saying that milk is bad. He's just saying, as far as a forever diet, it's not going to lead to the things God wants for you. Everybody needs to start with milk. If you're not yet a Christian, if you're, not, not, you need, you're going to have to start with milk, and that's okay. So he's not putting down milk here. Milk's fantastic. Milk would be sort of the basic building blocks of what it means that Jesus Christ is God the Son, God in the flesh, the God-man who lived the perfect life that we fail to live. Each and every one of us falls short of that life. And then he gave his own life as a sacrifice to atone for our sins and the punishment due for rebellion against God so that we would have a a, a new chance, a fresh start with our Creator for a relationship that would last forever. And Jesus proved that His sacrifice was complete, that the victory over death, sin, and the devil was complete when He rose from the grave three days later unto the glory of God and resurrection for us all. There's the gospel. There's the milk. And, and believe me, <laughs> you'll hear that again and again when you come to Sedaris. So we're not, we're not, listen, how many of you drank milk, <laughs> like, throughout your childhood for dinner? I just want to see. Yeah, yeah, okay. Like, you don't stop drinking it. It does seem like the world's moving away from milk, which is tough for the dairy farmers of Washington. And my friend Nathan Stroop, you know, so. Um, but we, um. We don't stop drinking milk. So I'm, I'm not telling you to take the simple gospel out. We talked about that a couple weeks ago. Simple gospel needs to be at the heart of it. And it's the simple gospel that we share with the world that doesn't yet know Christ. You can't move straight to the deep course. In fact, that's why we do things like Alpha at this church. Because we realize that for some people, um, that doesn't mean don't invite them to come to church, but some of this stuff might be too undairy for them. It might feel like too much. And we have things like Alpha, which is a 10-week introduction to Christianity, that's like, it's just great milk. I'll tell you what, I've done it seven times now. Every time, it fills me up like a great glass of milk does. So I'm not, Paul's not, he's not being hard on milk here. Milk is necessary. Returning to the basics and the foundations of the gospel is necessary. But listen, when you see a 12-year-old breastfeeding in the mall, it's not okay. <laughs> like, it's, it's just, you know, it, it's, it's concerning. And it's not just 12-year-olds breastfeeding. 
It's also when you're a 40-year-old and you eat mac and cheese for every meal. There's just a growth that's supposed to happen in, the, in your spiritual walk that if it's not happening, you need to ask why. What's going on? Maybe you're part of a church that's not giving you more than just milk. And you're not being challenged. You're not being pushed. Maybe you're not doing the work yourself. Maybe no, nobody told you how to make dinner, how to cook for yourself. We want to help you do that. It's part of what we are as a church is to equip you to cook for yourself so that the only food you're getting is not Sunday mornings. That you actually know how to make a more advanced meal for yourself through reading God's word, understanding it. In fact, that's why we preach the way we do at Sedaris. You might wonder that. Why, why so long, Dave? <laughs> why so long? Just cut it down. Just move to the conclusion. Just go straight. Read the passage. Move to the conclusion. No, I don't do that. And I won't ever do that. And those of you who have been here seven years realize, no matter how hard I try, it always goes about the same amount of time. Why? Because I want to teach you how to cook, not just spoon feed you. If you don't learn how to cook, what happens when God takes you somewhere else? When he takes you to a place where you might not have somebody to cook? It's not enough. So I'm not going to, I'll never do that. That's my promise to you. I will teach you how... <laughs> I'll bring you back to the kitchen. I'll show you how it's made. It's not always the same every week. My wife knows that. <laughs> she, knows, she knows what my note sheet looks like this week, by the way. Doesn't look the same every week. And that's a little joke just for me and her. Because <laughs> she knows. Okay. So anyhow, well, we'll bring you back. We'll teach you how. If you want to understand how to read this for yourself, I think you'll get a lot of that by coming on Sundays. And to be honest... If you don't come every week, you're, gonna, you're not going to learn how to cook. Because there's a process to this. Like, if you weren't here last week, it's going to be hard to understand what Paul's just said. And if you weren't here before that. So, there, it, like, we want to teach you how this all builds on itself. So you have to commit to learning how to cook. Because you can't live on a milk diet forever. Or a mac and cheese diet. Got to learn. Okay. So it's not bad. It's just there's more. There's more people, Paul says. And I just wish I could do this. So then he goes on to say something. That this is, I, I, I keep, you see me getting so giddy and laughing because I just, I, it, it, I want to make a t-shirt probably at some point. We may have sort of a, something of a, an advertising campaign we might do around this little phrase where he says, you're just acting like mere humans. You're just acting like mere humans. I just love it. Like, are you a mere human? He's, what is he doing? He, he's saying to them, you're acting like an animal, a human animal. Stop. You're more than that. You know, he, he thinks so highly of them. He knows what God's made them to be. He's like, and you're acting like a mere human animal. Oh, and you're full of so much potential glory for God. Remember back? Again, this is why, if you, you got to be with us, remember he started the whole letter with a compliment sandwich, saying, you guys have every gift. You're, you're ready for every work that God has prepared for you. And then he says, but it's not happening. So he's back to that. He's saying, you're acting like mere human. Well, what's wrong with being a mere human? Didn't God create mere humans? Yes, but then he did something else. Yes, then he did something else. What else did he do? Let's look. Drop down in chapter 3 to verse 16. 
verse 16. It says this, Don't you yourselves know that you are God's temple and that the Spirit of God lives in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For the temple is holy, and that is what you are. You're not a mere human. If you've invited Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior, if you've received the forgiveness of sin, if you've asked him to send the Spirit to you, you are now a walking, talking, mobile food truck of God's glory. All the good stuff is in you. And you get to move around and go anywhere you want to go. You get to bring the glory of God into every neighborhood, into every workplace. You're the temple of the living God. Do you understand this? You are not a mere human. You are the temple of the living God. That's why Paul is so frustrated. Why are you okay with just milk? There is so much more that you are capable of absorbing about the majesty and the grandness and the goodness of God. And yes, milk is good, but there's more people. For part of my life, I was okay with milk. And I'd, I'd drink a lot of milk. But I refused to let God build me up into maturity. And then finally I surrendered and I said, God, do what you will. And it's good, people. It's good cooking. God has so much more for you. And Paul's saying, don't, don't see yourselves as a mere human. Now, the beautiful part of the gospel of Jesus Christ is God didn't choose you to be a temple because you were special or because you were wise or because you were smart. In fact, Ryan talked about this a couple weeks ago. He actually likes choosing the thing that's not very wise or not very special in the world's eyes to fill with his spirit and make more than mere human. He loves that. It's always been a part of his plan. That's why he came in the flesh to a family of carpenters that lived in backwoods Israel. Nothing ever good came from Nazareth, people thought. Well, God came from there. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So we'll spend some more time next week talking about what that means. But you just need to just believe it. Just believe it. You are more. Now, what else are you? Are you a temporary temple? Well, this is what we've been saying. Every sermon, we've gone to which chapter of Corinthians? Does anybody remember? Chapter what? Somebody say it. Chapter 15. What is chapter 15? There's 16 chapters in the letter. Chapter 15 is the crescendo. The crescendo. And what is in the crescendo? You can turn there with me if you want. In the crescendo, we have all sorts of things. 58 verses of crescendo, where Paul says, Let me not forget the milk that I taught you. That's how he starts it. And he says, This is the gospel that was preached to you. This is the milk that brings you life. Like, as a baby, you must drink milk. You, 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 can't, you can't give soda pop to the children. It's not good. Until they're about, like, four. <laughs> I found Owen's right there. Okay. He loves it. Not good for him, but, you know, whoo. He is funny when he gets a little bit of it. So, um, but you got you to start with the milk. So he says, this is the gospel that I preached to you. 
So pass it on, he says, of first importance. This is verse, chapter 15, verse 3. And, th- and then he goes, this is the milk of the gospel, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, meaning according to the plan and the story of God from Old Testament all the way to the time of Jesus, and that he appeared to Cephas, that's Peter, then to the twelve, then he appeared to over 500 brothers and sisters at one time. Most of them are still alive. Some have fallen asleep, some have died. He's saying, they're still alive. You can go ask them about when they saw the risen Jesus. This happened. Now, why is this so important? He's going to spend then the next 55 uh, verses talking about the resurrection. He's going to say the resurrection of Jesus wasn't a one-time event for human beings. It was the first fruit of what will happen to every other human being who calls Jesus Christ Lord. They will experience and have a, the same resurrected body that Jesus has. What kind of body is this? He'll talk about it. It's not like the natural body. He'll say it's a spiritual body. He'll say things like, um, he'll say like the moon has one kind of splendor, but the stars have another kind of splendor. He'll say it's going to be the same with your new bodies. They're going to be a little bit like the old, but they're going to be even more majestic. It's going to be incredible is what he's saying. You are going to be, he says, like the son of heaven, which is Jesus. You were born into this world, a son of Adam, the first mere human. You are going to be reborn by the Spirit as a son or daughter of heaven. You are going to be heavenly. What's he saying? You will no longer be a mere human. You are going to be like the God-man, Jesus Christ. doesn't mean you're God like Jesus. It means you will have a splendor that is beyond mere humanity. And this is always God's plan. That for those who would receive him, he would make sons and daughters. That they would be more than human. It's intense. <laughs> this intense. This isn't just like, Jesus Christ has died for you to make you a nice person who says thank you to your barista. <laughs> every time you get coffee. No. You are going to be recreated in the image of the God-man. You will be a son or daughter of heaven. You will be more than mere humans. And what are mere humans? What are they? They are beings that are moved by their carnal desire. They are unable to say no to the thing they want to eat when they are hungry. They are unable to say no to the sex when they are lusting. They are unable to say no to the drink when they are nervous and fearful in a social setting. But not you, Paul says. You are not mere humans. You are not driven by your carnal, fleshly, animalistic instinct. You're driven by something else, which is the peculiar wisdom of your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I just can't say it to you enough. You are not a mere human. So don't act like it. Now, you're not special. (laughs) In, In the sense of, look at me, I'm so great. You're special because you know Jesus. So I want to make that important. We don't go around saying, like, I don't have to do anything you say, boss, 
because I am not a mere human and you are. You're driven by your capitalistic instinct. Me, however, I am not a mere human. I am a son of God. <laughs> okay, you will get fired and don't come to me crying. I'm not telling you to say that. Please don't say that. You say, sure, boss. I'll stay a little bit longer. Sure, boss. I'll help you out. You can take credit for that idea that was mine. Because it's not about me. It's about the gifts God gives me to bless this company, this team, the products we create. I'm okay with that. You see, the peculiar wisdom of Jesus isn't just more of worldly wisdom on steroids. It's something other, something different. And it's so peculiar that your boss will say, wait, you're going to let me take credit for your idea? That's weird. And then it happens over and over and over again, and they start to say, well, what did you do this weekend? And then you're honest with them, and you say, you know, I went to church, or I was at the women's retreat last weekend, and really filled up by my time of community and reminded of who I am. Huh. And they start to see a pattern in your life, that the way you move, the way you march, the things you do, the things you invest in, they're not quite the same as the things they are, and it changes you, and you're not exactly the same as them. And they might not use the language of son of heaven or uh, call you not merely human, but that's what they're thinking. They don't act. Why don't they act like all the other animals? <laughs> this is strange. I don't like it. I can't control them. I can't just throw more money at them to get them to be quiet. Something's different. They're not mere humans. And then you bring them to the milk shop. <laughs> and you offer them a cold glass of milk. And you say, or warm, depending <laughs> on what you prefer. It seems to be a thing of old. Never quite got into that. But whatever, and you share with them. You start at the beginning. You don't look down at them that they might not understand the fullness of what you've experienced. But maybe they just might understand that this milk is good. And they might see that that's what's made you different, and much more. Okay. You're not mere humans, friends. Oh, it's so beautiful. So how does this growth happen? How does it work? Um, Paul will say in here, um, he'll talk about the difference between him and Apollos. Uh, Apollos was a great teacher. Um, he came from North Africa, and, and he had a great um, oratory gift, it seems. He was a great teacher. He was teaching the same, same message as Paul. And, and Paul will come in here, and, and what he'll say is, um, listen, I planted, I planted the church. And Apollos, he came and he watered the church. And then he'll say, but don't, don't be mistaken. God brought the growth. God brought the growth. And what he's trying to help them, he, he's trying to help them not, again, be clicky or envious or, or rivalrous around who their favorite teacher is. He's saying, like, every teacher that is teaching the word of God is an instrument, a tool that God uses to cultivate his new garden of new life, of not merely human beings, but human beings filled with the Spirit. But it's God that brings the growth. Not me, Paul says. Not Apollos. 
but God brings the growth. And so you will not experience growth. You will remain a baby if you do not understand that your growth doesn't come from human teachers. Your growth comes from God. And if you're not asking him to grow you, if you're not praying about your growth, if you're not surrendering to the spirit, if you're trying to control your own growth, you will not experience growth. But likewise, if, for instance, somebody in uh, the Corinthian church had said, like, I got you, Paul, I got you, I'm not coming to church because <laughs> I don't want to be, you know, I don't want anybody to think I'm in one of these groups. So I'm not going to listen to Apollo, so I'm not going to listen to you, I'm just going to kind of do it on my own. Paul would just be like, no, you don't understand. There is a discipline to your growth. God brings the growth, but there is a discipline to both putting yourself underneath the care of particular people at particular times for particular growth and there's a consistency and a rhythm to it so um, this is how growth happens I mean these analogies are all over the New Testament but Paul planted Apollos watered God grew it's it's a it's a farming analogy it's a garden analogy Um, you know maybe maybe many of you have gardens in your backyard it's very popular in Seattle and and it's hard work isn't it don't just happen. We don't just pray, and then, the, and then the, the flowers grow, the vegetables grow. No, it takes hard, consistent work. And I just got to shout out my son, Grayson. I tell a lot of funny stories about him, but my son, Grayson, gets this. Him and mom went to, the, to Home Depot, I think this was in 2020, right, in the pandemic, and they got a peach tree, and they brought it back, and this was all while I was at work. They brought it back, and they planted it in this very peculiar part of the yard, and I, w- I, I have to admit, I was like, that will not survive. <laughs> like, where you planted it? Peach trees in Seattle. We're not in Georgia, people. Like, what are we doing with the peach tree in our yard? <laughs> so, but Grayson was so diligent and consistent. And with great love, he stewarded and cared for this peach tree. And I still remember, I was out in the yard doing some other work. This was like, I think this summer. And our neighbor walked by. And he's just standing there by our peach tree looking at it. And he hollers at me, he says, Dave, could I have one of these peaches? They're perfect. And he grabbed it and he ate it. He's like, this peach is so good. And I was like, that's my boy. That's my boy. And he's so much like his mother. So (laughs) disciplined, dedicated, on time. That's not dad. That thing brought glory to Grayson to God who gave it the growth. Grayson didn't give it the growth, but he protected it, he watered it, and God gave it growth. And, and, and I had, then I was, I was like, I was, to be honest, kind of scared to eat the peaches because I was like, who knows, who knows? Peaches in Seattle, and I ate one, and it was so sweet. It was so good. And I glorified God. And I thanked Grayson. So it all, the growth all comes from God, but we have to cultivate. We have to be consistent. We have to have rhythms in our life. We have to water. We have to put ourselves under the care. We have to protect from the varmint. And actually, this was the in, ingenious part of the, the place in the yard was actually on the other side of our fence. And there was a, a and I don't think this was intentional, but they put it there. And that's why I was like, that's so weird. It's not really on our property. <laughs> and then 
but we have a rabbit that comes through, and we've had voles in our yard, but I don't think they could get to it because it was outside the fence. It was like you couldn't get to it. It was protected. So you've got to protect yourself from the things that want to come and steal God's growth. So there's so much to that. We'll get into that more as we go. But that's how growth works. Now, the final thing. Okay, great, Dave. I get it. God does the growth. I've got to be consistent. I've got a rhythm. Okay, where do I start? So as we, I was studying this, I was like, we haven't done this in a while. Some of you have done what we used to call guided spiritual growth planning. If you've done that, have you? I know Christy's done it. Raise your hand. It's okay. Okay, a few of you have done it, yeah. Um, I still remember, Christy, our meeting when we talked about this. And I can tell you, you've grown. And so I thought to myself, like, why don't we do that anymore? <laughs> There's a lot of gold hidden on our computers somewhere. And I said, this is a good thing. And I said, let me rework this. Because we used to do it in our family membership class, which actually is, for those of you who aren't yet family members at Sedaris, it's coming up on March 5th, and we'll talk about what does being a family member at Sedaris mean, and, and, and we used to do that connected. But I said, you know what, let's not connect it to that, because we should all seek growth, um, whether we go through that class or not. And so I printed like 15 copies of this, uh, document. So if you want one of these, you can grab one. And I'm going to post it online as well so that you could look at it. But basically, it's going to help it's going to help you set the goal. Like what does growth look like? Does it just mean what does it mean? Like Dave, I get it. What does spiritual growth mean though? It's going to help you see what spiritual growth means. One that you look more and more like Jesus, but also that you help others follow and look like Jesus. Both are a part of growth. Um, and then what we actually do is we help you see that it's, it's not embarrassing. It's okay to realize, oh my goodness, I am a babe in Christ. I'm still a spiritual infant. It's okay. If, if that's where you are, I don't want you to start faking it, okay? That is the worst thing that you could do. If the only thing that you can ingest is the milk, you have to admit that. Honesty breeds freedom, and freedom will, freedom will lead to growth. Until you admit, maybe I haven't grown. Maybe I've been coming to church for 40 years, and I'm still a spiritual infant. The only parts of the sermon I understand are when Dave goes right back to the gospel, the simple gospel, and preaches it. Everything else feels way beyond me. Just admit that. That's okay. And then we'll give you steps or things you should be thinking about, and we can, we can meet with you and give you resources to say, what should you focus on next to help you grow to the next stage? And so we, we've sort of identified five stages. They're spiritually unborn. That's before you're a Christian, before you've invited Jesus and the Spirit into your life. And the great news is there's no prerequisite to, to being born again into, into the family of God. But you, you might actually realize, I am spiritually unborn when you read through this, because we'll, we'll give you a summary of what that is and the next step for you, if that's where you find yourself. Then stage two is spiritual infant. This is where you're, you, you're all milk all the time. You can't feed yourself. You're totally dependent on somebody else feeding. And that's okay. You just have to admit it. But you're going to have a different step than somebody that's further along. St stage three is spiritual child. You're starting to learn for yourself, but you still need guidance and a guide. Then you have spiritual young adult. You start taking responsibility for a few other people in your life. And then at, and then at some point, 
God, by his grace, helps you mature into a spiritual parent, stage five. And spiritual parents think very different, as you might expect, than spiritual infants. Right? Spiritual parent is not a spiritual infant. And again, this is not meant to be sort of a test of righteousness. Whatever stage you find yourself in, spiritual maturity does not equal rank in the family of God. Spiritual maturity does not equal value in the family of God. Every child of God is equally valuable. Spiritual maturity also does not equal power in the family of God. Just because you have more maturity doesn't mean you can now lord it over those who do not. If you think like that, if you think maturity is about rank and power and value, guess what? You're either a spiritual infant or you're spiritually dead. And I'd probably say spiritually dead because you have no idea what the peculiar wisdom of Christ looks like. That God came in the form of a baby. You don't get it. So I'm not worried about that because I think you guys can see that. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about helping identify where you're at because you wouldn't give a child the same thing to read as you'd give a parent. You, you wouldn't say the next step for an infant is the same as a young adult. And so identifying where you're at, this document might help you do that and see what the next step might be. And so there's exercises here for you to pray and meditate on what might next, the next steps be. And because we're not going to be sitting with you, walking you through this, I just want to say this spectrum, there's a lot more blurry than there is clarity, right? So it's, 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 these buckets aren't super clear, and you actually can move in between them. It's not, just to be clear, it's not all growth all the time. You, you might have thought certain things at one point, and now you're back to needing milk. And, and again, that's okay, but don't be okay staying there, okay? So anyhow... I wanted to get super practical because sometimes we can talk about this stuff and you're like, yeah, yeah, I want to grow. And you're like, what do I do? What do I do? And sometimes it's clear, sometimes it's not. One step you could do is if you've never been to the gospel class, if you've never been to the 14 principles class and you've been coming to Sedaris for a long time, come to the class today. Invest a few more hours in growing and understanding even the language and ethos of this church so that you might step into maturity. 